Hello, and welcome back to How To Be Happy, a podcast where we explore all the ways that we can live a happier life. Each week, we're talking to happiness experts, celebrities, and ordinary people to uncover their secrets to living a good life. My name is Kate DeBrito. I'm your host and guide on this journey into happiness. Let's begin. Trinette Faint has done it all, or at least it seems that way to an outsider like me. She's worked as a model, an actress, and at one stage she was an assistant to Matt Damon. She's run her own online beauty company, she's written two novels, and she's also a podcaster back in Boston, where she lives with her dog Avery. But despite all of her successes, she always has a drive to do more. In her own words, she's been hustling all her life. Today, she talks about how she's gone about manifesting her happy and successful life. Trinette, are you there? I'm here, Kate. Oh, well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Trinette, tell us where you are right now. I am in Boston. And what kind of situation do you have there? Do you have an apartment? Do people live in mostly apartments in Boston? Is it a sort of house? Yeah, I'm like in the suburbs. I'm south of the city, but I've lived all over like Boston proper. But yeah, it's a city mostly made up of uh, apartment complexes because there's so many people. It's so condensed on the East Coast, you know. Mm. Yeah. So, Trinette, you're a, an incredible woman. You're a writer. You're a model. You're an actress. You're a creative entrepreneur. You work at Google. You're also a podcaster. I've probably forgotten many of the things you've you've done. We can talk about some of them. But how, how do you fit all of this in? I guess uh, I prioritize things that are important to me. Um, it's important to say that, uh, I've always been a model. I started doing that at 16. So that's always been just like kind of a part of my life. Um, and I've always had typically a day job, like while I was doing creative things. Um, so it's actually not that difficult. You know, I think my making the choice not to have children has freed up a lot of my time. Um, so I, I use the time that I have for the things that I want to use it on, basically. So what's the process by which you come up with an idea of something you want to do and then you turn that into a reality? Hmm. Well, let's see. So let me go back two steps. When I was growing up outside of Chicago, I used to always have this dream of having a brick and mortar store that sold makeup and skincare for all women of color. Because uh, growing up in the 80s as a model uh, and early 90s, you know, there just wasn't the diversity of choices as there, as there are now. Um, so I fulfilled that dream, gosh, it was probably 10 years ago now, a little more. Um, I had an online beauty store called Love Hue. I was ahead of the market, I will say that, Kate in that I did sell like things that were for every, every woman, every skin shade. Um, and now look at the market, look where it is. Yeah. Uh, ultimately I had to shut it down cause it was just too expensive and I was always in the red and, um, the recession was on. So it was just like a very 
tough thing. But I had won this contest with Harper's Bazaar magazine. I was their first ever fabulous at every age winner. And it was sponsored by Estee Lauder. So I won all this money from this contest. So that helped me like launch that site at the time. So from doing that forward, you know, I just made like a lot of connections, uh, met a lot of people. Um, so every kind of creative thing that I did after that, uh, I guess was a bit less challenging because that first one was so daunting, like standing up a retail, a retail shop. Um, so, I, you know, I've, I've just had like these various ideas and I've been trying very hard to like be my own person. I mean, I am my own person, but be a successful, I guess, commercially successful entrepreneur. So I just try because having done it the first time, I know that I can do anything basically that I put my mind to, you know, um, and everything now is a lot easier than, than that was like actually selling product and doing everything, the business myself from, you know, working with the vendors to shipping to, you know, taking the photos to booking the models. Like I had not realized like how much work that was going to be. So everything now feels like kind of small potatoes compared to that. So is that a bit of a, a, a secret in it, in taking that first risk? Because I think, you know, I'm always fascinated by people who are prepared to put themselves out there like you. And I wonder how do you maintain that sense of self-belief um, in the face of, you know, what I imagine are in any uh, field, disappointments or sometimes failures? Mm. It's funny because that's the entire premise of my podcast <laughs> because, uh, you know, I had struggled so hard as a model. Uh, and back in the day, you know, they just weren't using black models like they are today. So I was constantly hearing that we don't need a black model. Uh, we have one. She's not working. You're you're too black. You're not black enough. And if it wasn't that, it was, you know, I'm too fat and, you know, I'm six foot one. And at the time I was like 25 pounds thinner than I am now. And I'm still thin. So it was just yeah. always something. So I think that, um, that growing up with that level of rejection, because I started in that business when I was 16, it really does something to you. It makes everything seem possible <laughs> because my skin had thickened so much as a teenager that I never don't believe I can't do anything. You know, I just know it's going to be a challenge and, you know, I'll have an obstacle here and there. But after you've been <laughs> told personally that you're not right, like kind of like nothing else really matters after that. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you get over that. Um, but I just have always just had this belief in myself and, and I still believe that that one day I will be hugely successful beyond my wildest dreams, you know? Like quite often I feel like I'm sort of underwater and I'm just about to burst through the surface. I have felt that way for a few years now and that it's just gonna take, you know, the right, I don't know, hand to come down in the water and like, you know, like really pop me through. And that's how I- I think I- I think I really understand that feeling, that feeling of thinking that there's something more coming. Yeah. Personally, I, I, the only thing I try to be careful of is, is not thinking that there's something bigger to come because sometimes that 
doesn't recognize what's already come before. Mm. So, you know, I look at you and, and see such a huge amount of success, all the things you've done. Sometimes I, I, I think people don't recognize that themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my first couple episodes of, of my podcast, um, I talk about exactly this thing, like how I was up against all these various challenges, like typically things that were out of my control. Like, obviously I can't change my skin color. I can't change like my body type, you know? Yeah. I was born this way, six foot one and tall and thin. And if the business didn't like it, then that's on them sort of thing. Mm. Um, but, you know, when I was in these situations where I was constantly being rejected, I had to like really reframe my thinking and realizing, okay, that time may not have come out commercially successful like I thought, but it was successful for me because things like I learned my way around a foreign city without speaking the language. Like I developed, you know, this extra confidence, you know, like I'm talking about when I was in Paris, sorry, I should have said that. Um, you know, I learned how to, to build relationships. I met these wonderful women in this place where I was staying, this youth hostel, and I'm still friends with them today. Like these Irish women that were good friends. Um, so there was all these things that like, when I looked, when I take a step back, and look at it holistically. I'm like, you know what? That was a successful time. Like, and all that rejection, as horrible as it was, it really did set me up for for life. And ultimately, like entering corporate world or graduate school or whatever, like I could take anything. So it's just like a shift in in how you perceive things because success looks different for for everybody. And who's not to say that even if I would have, you know, really broken through then and made all this money and become like you know, Naomi Campbell or something, how would I have handled that? I don't know. You know, I'd like to, it might not have, it might not have been the right time for you. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I don't think that there's any um, mistakes in how things happen. I think it's just all in, in how you look at them and how you just continue to tweak and adjust. And from all these experiences that I've had from like working in the creative businesses, it's all, like, I know it now, like it gave me all this material for my writing. <laughs> so like now I put this writing and this, my experiences in my novels and in the screenplay that I'm writing. So it all serves a purpose. So it is ultimately all successful. When we met, and we've only met once, uh, we met at our friend Linda's wedding. Uh, you flew over from the States and it was at a terrible time, if I remember, wasn't it? Yeah. it Linda was married just after 9-11 in the days afterwards. So um, I can imagine you were feeling pretty distressed. Although, as we talked about earlier, Linda said we did dance all night long. Um, at the time, you were working as an assistant to Matt Damon. How, how did you, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, people think I'm crazy when I say that it was actually the easiest job I've ever gotten. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> I was friends with someone in college who at the time was working for Ben Affleck. So she knew Matt and he, I guess, turned to her and said, Hey, I need an assistant. And he wanted someone on the East coast. And so I was on the East coast. Uh, yeah. So she referred me to him. She called me cause I had, I had been living in LA for a couple of years and I'd had a really, really, really rough go of my first time living in LA. The rejection was just painful trying to catch a break with a job. The financial woes were just awful. The business is, whew, it will just eat you up and chew you out basically. Mm. So that had been my first two or three years there. So I decided, I said, you know what? 
enough of this. I'm going back to Boston. I'm going to just reset. My best friend lives in Boston. So I came back and I said, you know, I'll just, I'll just figure it out. I'll get a job. I don't know. I'll wait tables in or something until I figure something out. And she called me. I'd been back three days and I was so excited to live in this cute little house, a little picket fence, a little yard, the whole thing. And the rent was good and everything. And I was just so excited to be around my friends again and be out of LA. She calls me and she's like, so I told Matt about you. He needs an assistant. And I was like, oh, that's great. And she's like, oh, you should come out and meet with him. And I, at this point, I hadn't seen all of his films. And I, I shouldn't say I wasn't like a super fan, you know, so I was like kind of indifferent. And I said, well, tell him, I don't know, I'll be out there in a few weeks. Like I literally, my last month in LA, had just blown all my money. I went to Hawaii a few times. I'd driven up and down the coast of San Francisco. I was like, woohoo, I'm out of here. I'm never coming back. <laughs> I told my friends, I was like, if you want to see me again, you're going to have to come to Boston because this place sucks. I'm out of here. So I had no money. So she's like, no, but I really think that, that you should come back sooner. Because I don't know if he's been talking to Winona's people. He was dating Winona Ryder at the time. And I said, I, I don't know. Like, I'll figure out how to get there, like, in a week. And she's like, I think you should come back tomorrow. Now, this was 1130 oh, wow. <laughs> in Boston. And I just said, all right. So I hang up the phone thinking, what the hell? How am I going to get back to L.A. like tomorrow? So I called my mom and I woke her up. And I don't recommend this for anybody. <laughs> and I told her the situation and I said so there's this job but it's in LA so I kind of need to go back tomorrow um can I borrow your credit card number so I can buy a ticket and she was really quiet for a second and then she rattles off her number and and I said okay so I'm writing it down and she goes this is going on your bill, Trinette. And I was like, okay, what's the expiration date? So she tells me. <laughs> and I hopped on a plane the next morning and I went back to LA and I sat on my friend's couch for two weeks waiting to meet with him. <laughs> oh, okay. But it worked out. And how long out. did you work for him? You know, nothing against him. He had gone on vacation, didn't tell my friend and he didn't know I was there. But when he came back, I went, I met with him and it was that was it it was just easy after that I worked with him for three three and a half years something like that and an easy job working for a celebrity run, running their life easier than running your own life sometimes <laughs> well I didn't have a life so yes I guess in that sense it was easy <laughs> uh I, I wouldn't say that it was easy uh it definitely had its uh, share of challenges and stuff but it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun we had a great time together and we traveled all over the place and I met some great people and wouldn't change an experience with the world. So what's your advice for someone who, you know, is, is maybe similar to you has always had a day job, but wants to really make that side hustle into something more. What do you suggest? I think people need to think they would need to think about what they want out of the hustle, like what the goals are. If it's something that that would take over your day job, then I think you have to really think about your priorities with your day job. Like maybe talk to your manager, see if you can either go, you know, a bit part-time or reduce your hours or do a four-day work week or something so you can dedicate more time to it. And if it's just something that is more of 
a hobby, then, you know, I guess you can always find time for a hobby. But I think regardless, you owe it to yourself to try and whatever that can look like for you, because you don't want to have any regrets. Um, I turned 52 this year and I've been hustling like my whole life and I have basically no regrets about anything. And I could easily look back now and think, well, you know, if I hadn't tried this or this or this, you know, I would still be like really desiring for those things, but I may not have the energy to do them now. Like I could never like set up another online beauty store now. My God, the effort that that took. I don't think anyone gets to the end of their life and thinks, you know, I tried too many things. I, I gave too many things a go. Right. I think that it's exactly the opposite when they look back and they regret not having, having done things. Do you, you, you talk about having had a strong belief in yourself, but for people who are trying to do that, there is that negative self-talk when those days come, I'm sure they still do for you. How do you, how do you overcome that? Uh, Sometimes I just have to sit back and think about everything that I've done and how far I've come, you know, like even a couple of years ago when I was living out in California, I was in San Francisco area. I had wanted to move back East to buy a condo, which I sit in today. And it just seemed like this insurmountable thing to do, especially from California because everything is so expensive in California. And that was like my frame of reference. Right. But I just had to focus and, you know, save money in the right way. And I eventually made it happen. This all happened over COVID, which added enormous (laughs) layers of stress and stuff. When I finally closed, when I moved back, we had like eight months of delays and it was so incredibly stressful this entire time. So I was renting a place until this was ready. But when I finally moved in, I just thought I did it. And, you know, it's just like, chasing a creative dream. It doesn't matter what it is. You just have to break it down in small steps every day, you know, going through something, it can just seem like insurmountable Mm. and you just have to take a step back. You just have to breathe and be like, okay, you know, I don't need to be the next X, Y, Z. I just need to be this slightly enhanced, better version of myself, like whatever that looks Mm. like. Look, you you manifested a a condo, didn't you? Do you go through a process like that? Like people talk about manifestation. Do you set a goal and then, you know, go through a process of visualizing? Mm -hmm. Do you do things like vision boards? Uh, Walk us through some of those sort of steps. I sure do. Um, I'm a huge proponent of the vision board and I wish that I would have done them all my life. (laughs) I only started them probably five years ago, maybe. Uh, Okay. I would actually like, you know, make a a slide deck and put in pictures. Like when it came to my condo, I put in like what I wanted in my next place, walkability, train, green space, fireplace, uh, easy access to everything. And unbelievably, I got it in all, I got everything in this place. Mm. I just could not believe it. Yeah, so I make a vision board and I will jot down. Like- but you're saying you make it online. You don't make it, you're not doing a, an old style cardboard, piece of cardboard vision board. Nope, I make like a slide deck. A slide deck. <laughs> okay, updated for I'll, the digital I'll call times. It like, and then I will put in there what the goals are. And then I'm careful to put in what I've done as a way to look back. 
Like, okay, mm-hmm. I've saved this much money. I've done this. I've done that. And, you know, the next thing is to move. And I had a list of cities, you know, that I was open to. Boston was one. I think maybe Seattle, Chicago, you know, and I had a picture of my kitchen, of my, you know, bedroom, my mudroom. You know, I don't have a mudroom here, but... <laughs> But that can be. But it's of- coming. It's <laughs> yeah. coming. That's part of the next. The, yeah. That's part of your European vacation home. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. I mean, I do have like specific pictures of what my home in the the UK will look like one day, let's say, or something. But and what? Something. And what? What do you do when you've 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 made your your board, your your digital vision board? Uh, do you look at it every day? Do you spend some certain amount of time, you know, visualizing? How do you go about it? Uh, I make it, and then I typically will share it with some friends, and I encourage them to make one. So mm-hmm. over COVID, when everything was at its bleakest and nobody knew what the next day was going to hold, I rounded up some friends and I said, "Hey, you know, let's let's make a vision board," and I got probably five people to do it and it was called oh my god I totally remember this now baby badass group that's what I call it <laughs> I love it I read this book by um Jen Sincero uh you're I've read that yes yes I've read that it's a great book that book just lit up something in me and I started having these meetings with some friends like you know we're all over the place uh, it was called baby badass meetings and every week every two weeks, whatever, we'd get on a call and we would talk about like, you know, our goals and what we were trying to do. And did you do your vision board yet? Like, you know, let's get it done. Like, okay, I see this. Like, how are we going to manifest this? Like, what are the small steps? So everything that I was trying to do, you know, I broke everything out into smaller steps. So one of my items on that board specifically was to get a modeling agent back East, which how the hell was I going to do that? I was in California. This was COVID, right? Mm. But manifestation, Kate, manifestation, because you know what happened? You know what happened? What happened? Tell me. I got a call one day from a woman that I hadn't talked to in about 10, 15 years. I hadn't seen her in that long, rather. I hadn't talked to her in a couple of years. She used to book me for modeling jobs when I used to be a knitting model. We can talk about that in a second if you want. And she was like, I'm working for Vogue Knitting now and we're doing a shoot. Where are you? Are you available? So I'm like, oh my God, right? And I'd already been working towards that because on the board, I said, you know, get this agent back east. And for what does this look like? Okay, for me, this looks like working out three, I don't know, three, four times a week. Why? The next time, why? Doing yoga because it helps me get in shape to get the agent. Like every single thing I broke down that small, for it to just make sense for me. So if I looked at that sheet and I didn't have a workout logged in there for a couple of days, I would go work out and put it in. And that's how everything was. That's how I did everything. So I go and I do this photo shoot and I end up getting the cover and it was a great time. And we thought it was going to get canceled because it was COVID. I mean, it was this whole thing. It was this whole, I I was on the plane in one of those spacesuits because this was back when nobody was flying, <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> I was like, I'm going, I'm going to the East Coast. And we shot this thing up in Maine. And I was able to use that to reach out to an agent back in Boston when the issue came out. And I got an agent here. And then everything just kind of happened from there. And then I moved back and, you know, la da So that's a perfect example of... That is a perfect example. And I think when people talk about manifesting things, you know, I I think people kind of get it wrong. They sort of think, oh, well, I'll just think, you know, I'm 
I'm going to make a million dollars and it just sort of, I wish it to be true and it happens. I think, like you say, there's a lot of steps, but there is also an element of a little bit of magic somewhere in there, isn't there, that you dream about something, you focus on it, and then sometimes that serendipity really brings it to you as it was with that call from that that lady you'd worked with before yeah yeah I mean you know you can't just like dream about it and write a board you have to like be really willing to work for it and you have to be able or be willing to make sacrifices and depending on whatever it is you're trying to do that sacrifice can look different you know like I recently went to an event last week at the Vogue offices it was called Forces of Fashion And, you know, I'm still manifesting good things to come out of this. And I made some really solid connections. But the prep for for me personally for this thing was real, Kate. Like, you know, I wanted to be in the best shape I could be in because I knew I'd be putting myself in front of all these different editors and all the other attendees and stuff. So I was working out, was like eating right, was like doing all these things. And, you know, I just feel like I did as well as I could possibly do. And I made some really solid connections and that was just a week ago, but you know, I have some follow-up stuff that will happen as a result of that, but you have to be willing to make sacrifices and and actually do the work. Like I don't want to get up and go to Pilates at six, 7am like I did this morning, but it's part of my process and it, it makes me feel good you know, it changes your body. Like the whole thing is gives you this connection to yourself. You know, I would love to eat pizza and pasta every day, but <laughs> you know, I'm not 20 anymore. And that just is not realistic and stuff. It's so you just have to do the work. You just, you just have to do it. Well, it sounds like you've never been afraid of hard work, but I love that idea of you sort of sharing your vision board or your visions with with a group, your badass group, because, uh, you know, not only is that about accountability, but I guess it's also about encouraging each other, right, and yeah. having people have your back. I know that for me, having those close friends who you can be honest with about your dreams and having them really back you. In fact, our friend Linda is is like that with me she is the sort of person I can see this for you Kate she can visualize sort of things for me and that's a really kind of special thing to have Mm -hmm. friends in your life who can see things for you that you also want for yourself right so tell me are you would you consider yourself to be a, a a spiritual person or are you very sort of like feet on the ground not that they're mutually exclusive uh I think a bit of both you know, I grew up going to church. I don't go to church really anymore unless I'm home with my mom in Illinois. Uh, but I do have faith. I do believe um, I'm, I'm spiritual in the sense that, uh, uh, you know, I do pray sometimes because Lord knows that's all we have sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, I feel like I'm connected to to a higher power for sure. Okay, so tell me, let's let's go on to a few quick questions. Tell me, what are you reading? What sort of books do you like to read? You, you've, you've written your own book. Before you tell me what you're reading, tell me a little bit about that book because it's called Colette's K-Lab. I, yes. First I thought it was collab, as in a collaboration, <laughs> but no, it's Colette's K-Lab. What's that about? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so that's my first novel. I've written two, but this one is... Uh, the first one, Colette's Caleb. This is a story about a woman named Colette. She is a personal assistant to a celebrity actor slash fashion designer. And- okay, so write what you know. 
<laughs> sort of. Uh, and she unwittingly finds herself in this love triangle between him and his co-star. So oh, that's where it I is. like it. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm gonna. And I, I, can I get that? Can I? Can I get that on Amazon? It is on Amazon. It is on Amazon. Okay, great. Ordering now. Yes. So it's a it's a fun little romp through the world of uh, fashion, entertainment, and travel. I guess because uh, it kind of takes place in a few different locations. And I originally wrote that story because I was always reading novels where the heroine was, you know, like this thin, wealthy white woman just kind of fumbling her way through the world and through these different industries and she gets the guy and, you know, and I was like, okay, that's fine. But where's the story of the black woman at the center of these stories in these A-list spaces where we're not like a sidekick or where our story isn't like rooted in trauma where, you know, we don't live on the other side of the track sort of thing. So I, that's like the perspective that I write from because I was like, wait a minute, we're out there because that is me. Like I have been an assistant in this A-list world, you know, um, there's actors and then there's like actors with a capital A, like the space that Matt was in, you know, and, yeah. and in that space, it's a completely different world mm. and there's black people in that space. And so like, yeah. why am I not reading stories that, that have these black women at the center? So Colette is a black woman and the screenplay that I'm writing now, uh, the woman at the center of the story is, uh, she's a black woman as well. So, and this story takes place in London and in Ireland and Colette's Caleb uh, takes place in London, Par Paris, uh, Rome, Chicago and New York and Colorado, I believe. So I put my characters out in the world because I'm out in the world. So I write what I know in that sense. Are the people who've inspired you, the, the women who've inspired you, are they women of color or just uh, women generally? Is someone like Shonda Rhimes, someone you sort of look up to in the industry? She's obviously been incredibly successful in, in um, the entertainment industry or are there others that you really um, oh, look up I to? Yes. I mean, if I could just be in Shonda Rhimes's orbit, I don't even know. <laughs> I think all of us would feel that way. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I love how she writes these, like, strong, empowered women, not only, you know, black women, but just women mm. in general. And they're so, um, it's, yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, her. Um, I'm a huge Zadie Smith fan. Um, I've seen Zadie Smith at a few events of hers over the years. Um, but I read kind of very broadly. I'm reading Killers of a Certain Age right now by um, Deva Rayborn. It's about this women, 60-year-old women assassins. Um, oh. reading. Is it nonfiction? It's fiction. Oh, it's fiction. Oh, it's fiction. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, it could be true. It could be true. It could be true. Um, I'm reading The Fraud right now by Zadie Smith. Um, mm -hmm. I have a stack of unread New Yorkers and Vanity Fairs that I need to get to. Uh, Poets and it Writers Magazine. I'm always trying to catch up on that too. And do you read a lot of, um, do you read nonfiction? Do you read personal development books? You talked about uh, the Jen uh, Cicero book, which is called, where is it? It's on my You're a Badass. Bookshelf. You're a Badass. It's just yeah. called that, isn't it? Yeah. Do you, do you read uh, a lot of those types of books? What do you like? Some I do, uh, but I'm really interested in people's journeys. So I recently mm -hmm. read Edward Infill's Invisible Man. 
He was editor-in-chief of British Vogue um, up until recently. Uh, Choma Nandi just took over like a week ago. She's a black woman. Um, and I also read Wildflower by Aurora James recently. Uh, she started, I know I'm going to mispronounce this, the Brothers Vielle shoe line. I'm saying that wrong. I don't know if I know it. Uh, she also is the founder of the 15% pledge where she challenged businesses. This happened in 2020 after George Floyd was killed to make shelf space for 15%, 15% shelf space for brands of color and stuff on mm-hmm. shelves here in America. So, uh, I was really inspired by her story and by Edward Innenfeld's story. So I'm really interested in just people's like journey. And I also read yeah. Surrender by Bono, U2's Bono over the summer. I thought that was fascinating. Uh, it was very deep. It took me a while to get through. So I do like to read um, nonfiction as well. People that inspire me, people that I respect and stuff. So equal parts. Typically, I will read nonfiction in the mornings and fiction in the evenings before bed. So what do you know now that you didn't know 10 or 15 years ago? Oh, what would be that piece of advice you would go back to yourself? To put more money in fifteen years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we call it superannuation here in Australia. It's usually the same situation. Why didn't you put more money in your super? Oh man. Yeah, I wish I would have started working with a financial advisor much earlier on. Mm. But uh, it's a good gift to give. It's a good gift to give to your children. I'm not sure I've even done that to mine. To give them good financial sense um but when you're young you don't think about that sort of stuff right well they certainly don't teach financial literacy very well here in the states i will say Mm. that so it's not fully my mom's fault but (laughs) that i didn't get like those those really tough lessons that i would get later um but it's just not really a part of the educational system here which is stupid uh, but I think it's I think it's getting better. Okay, well, look, I've got a couple of last questions yep. for you. One's just for help people with something really practical. Like, what's one of your best productivity hacks that you use in your life? Uh, I am very old school. I take notes. I make a list every day of of things. I don't know if you can see this, but it's kind of messy. But. Uh, <laughs> It's a list of things to do. Yes, and things I need to follow up on. Um, For me, that is easier than typing stuff in my notes app on my phone or on a computer or something. Um, I'm very tactile. I like to see it. It's probably my age. Um, So that is huge uh, for me. Um, Also, uh, prioritizing my day, like thinking about it, like the day before, you know, like if I know I've got Pilates in the morning and if I have work, but I also need to write a new scene from my, um, from my uh, screenplay or this side or the other, you know, what is my day before going to look like? That's going to mean I'm having an early dinner. I'm not having anything to drink. I'm going to bed early. I'm reading, um, thinking about like the next scene and typically what will happen. And this just happened to me two days ago. Like the whole next scene will come to me like around four or five in the morning and I'll get up and I'll like write it out. Um, Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like I, I saw the whole thing. I heard the whole conversation. I was like, wow, that is the next scene. That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, 
So that's, that's another big one, like preparing the night before. Um, and really just being responsible with my time and sometimes even being like a bit selfish with it, knowing that, you know, you can't, you can't please everybody. Something's got to give. Um, and if you really want to achieve things and keep working towards them, that's going to mean, you know, you can't, for me, hang out with your friends on a Saturday or Sunday or something, because I got to use all that time to read, to catch up on reading, to write, to make a plan for the week. Um, you asked me earlier, like how I do all these things. And this is basically how I do all these things. You know, mm. um, I'm just really kind of selfishly stingy with my time and I just buckle down and do it. I think it's a great skill though to learn that and maybe it does take a little while. I spoke to someone else recently who said that it had come with age is that ability to say no. Yeah. To say this is not what I need to be focusing on right now. Yeah. And I think a lot of us women especially tend to want to please people um, and that can get in your way early on. So congratulations, you're there. The other big thing is, uh, you know, with posting on social is – making a lot of content in advance, like when I have time and just having stuff ready for, for when I can pump it out and post things. That's, that's a huge, that's been a huge time saver. Okay. So one last question, yep. Trinette, what do you think is the secret to a living a happy life? I think being honest with yourself accepting yourself, trying whatever that is, whatever that itches that needs to be scratched, not getting caught up in this spiral of fear and, and stuff and just taking small steps. You know, you can, you'll never regret trying. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but you'll never regret trying. You only regret if you don't try. You, re you are really inspiring, Trinette. You make me want to go out and redo my to-do list. I also have a to-do list. Here's mine. You're at the top. <laughs> um, it's so great to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'll put all the stuff um, uh, where people can find your content in the show notes as well um, so they can find your podcast and they can find your books. Um and, you know, can find your website. So thank you so much for taking the time. I know how busy you are. And I hope we get a chance again to have another dance. Are you coming out yeah. to Australia soon? Yes, yes, yes. I um, I am. Uh, I'm meant to come down in December. Uh, this my partner lives there. <laughs> so, uh, so that is what's happened. So if it doesn't happen in December, it'll happen like early in the year. So I will definitely be down there soon enough and we shall. Okay. The night. Can we just, can we backtrack a bit? Did you say your partner is living here? Are you doing a cross continental romance? Yes. Cross continent ro romance. Mm -hmm. How's that going? Oh, it's fantastic. It's a long way. It's easier than dating somebody local most times. <laughs> Okay, well, listen, I am going to muscle in on any drinks you have. I would love to um, see you again in person. But, yeah. but thanks again, Trinette, and all the best with, uh, with your um, amazing endeavours. Thank you, Kate. This was so much fun. Thank you so much.